Welcome to another episode of our Footy Fantasy Podcast. My name is EJ, and I am going to be the host for today's show. With me, we have Aya, our regular host. He's taking a break from his moderating duties. Uh, welcome to the show, Aya. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And we have Bucci, our crew member for Footy Fantasy. Welcome, Bucci. Thank you. Um, returning guests and friends of the show, we have Toby. Welcome back to the show. Long time hey, no see. How you doing? Gunas for life. Good. Gunas, Gunas. Thank you. Thank you. And um, last but not least, we have Dada. Welcome thank you, back. Thank you. All right. Um, today, our, our topic is um, going to be centered around racism in sports. We're going to spend some time talking about why it continues to exist, why why the hand, um, problem has not been handled, and going to suggest ways to tackle this issue. But before I go any further, I wanted to um, give a shout out to our audio listeners um, and tell them places where they can um, access our social media platforms. Our handle on Twitter is footy ad fantasy. On Instagram, it's fantasy footy. On Facebook, it's extraordinary footy fans. And on YouTube, you can find us on um, footy fantasy. That's one word. I did want to say a few words before we started because I think it would be remiss. The topic we've chosen is pretty much because of the times we're in. And we all know that we all live in the States, all five of us do. We're in the middle of like pretty much a civil unrest with all the police brutality protests and you know the senseless loss of black lives that we've experienced recently with Ahmed Arbery, with Breonna Taylor, and most recently with George Floyd. I know you guys live in cities that, that are currently protesting, if not just recently protested against this. We've seen root, um, rioting, we've seen looting. And I did want to get some of your thoughts, just quick, quick thoughts about what we've seen with these, these protests. Um, do you think that this is going to be a catalyst for change? Are you optimistic about it? Do you think it's the start of something new? Or do you think that we are pretty much, um, we're just, it's just a social media trend that's going to um, go away in two weeks. We're going to go back to the status quo. And let's start with Dada. Um, so I think, I mean, here's my view. So I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. So, um, so I've lived in the U.S. since 2002. Uh, this is the first time that I've seen uh, this kind of protest. You know, this first time I've seen corporations uh, speak out about racism on on LinkedIn or social media. You have CEOs sending emails. You have companies uh, blacking out in support of Black uh, Lives Matter. So I think so that gives me some optimism that you know this would actually be a catalyst for change. Um, I also think this is also a perfect storm, right? So you had you know people have been at home uh, stuck for a while. You had a lot of events back to back. So I think this is this is really a the perfect stump for this opportunity for us to actually start having meaningful conversations. So yeah, I am very optimistic this time around. I think, you know, at the very least, you know, this is bringing people to the table to actually have meaningful conversations about racism. And uh, hopefully this can, you know, change the attitude going forward. And we can actually see, you know, policy changes, actually see, you know, companies putting their money where their mouth is. So I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. All right, I'll hear from one more person. That's a good point that uh, one more, person told me because you're another guest what do you think oh sure thanks um i think i would agree with that that i think <clears throat> there is potential that this becomes more than just a uh, a point in time where we all come together 
Um, I do think we still need to hold uh, those in power accountable. So the question now is now that we have the attention, how do we push through while you have the momentum? And you have momentum because it's not just black people standing up. It's, it's gone worldwide. It's all races. It's Republicans, it's Democrats. It's everybody coming to say, okay, at least in this case, or that we all saw the video, that we all saw this man die. I mean, no one can watch that video and say there was nothing wrong with it. So I think that's why it's so galling. Um, um, and so I'm, I'm hopeful, um, but I think, you know, the activists who've been in Black Lives Matter for, for a long time, even before Ferguson would tell you that this is the time now that we have their attention is to just keep pushing the agenda forward and hold, holding people in power accountable. Okay, good point. I, I agree with both of you. I just think that the, the one issue that is probably at the forefront here is the fact that we have a lot of, you know, systemic racism, institutional bias and that sort of thing that, that I still see some people rejecting it, you know, some pockets of people are still saying this isn't real. Um, it's a constru liberal construct, whatever. But I think, you know, that, that, that a lot of mindsets have to change. And if that doesn't happen, we're going to see there may be some stumbling blocks to this. But I, I do agree that this is the first time we've seen it to this level. I mean, you guys have seen pictures of worldwide protests. Like it's just, just garnered so much media attention that I think that this is the, this is the perfect time. And so hopefully we get to see what you guys have said, more reform, more mindset changes, and then we see, we see something new start to happen. All right, so I'm gonna jump in to the main topic for today, racism in sports. Um, sorry, Bucci, what do you think? What do you think is the reason why we're still continuing to see these um, issues in sports, in football, and I guess whatever sport you want to talk about, but what, and what do you think we can do to the problems. Um, the the question should be, why not? That's my answer. Um, I, I grew up as a kid who was, you know, monolithic country, so I didn't really experience racism that much. Now I've become an adult, and it seems to be the only thing that keeps popping up every time. And as a black African immigrant, it you know it has become part of my identity. It, it kind of defines me because I can't deny it. And the truth is to pretend that it wasn't real was just an, a form of escape, it was an escapism. And we had that in soccer. We had that in what, you know, football. We had that in American football. We had all of that, where people would for, you know, two, three hours forget all these things and try and pretend things were not happening. But the truth is that society is always, a, um, sports is always a reflection of society at large. And it's also a microcosm of everything that happens. You can find everything in larger society in sports. And you can find everything in sports in larger society. They're just like, you know, perfect case studies of each other. So I would say that I am not surprised. I'm not going to sit down here and pretend. The only thing I would tell you is that for a moment, I would pretend that it was not there so that I could really enjoy sports, so that I could really get into the sport itself. But if I want, if we want to look at sports, the way it's built, sports is built exactly like a larger society. Old white men dominate the admin part. Most 
of the people who do the work are either in American football, black sport, uh, black uh, men, or in other sports, a large working class people who put their bodies at risk to make white men rich. That's just what it, it's been for a long time. It's, not, it's never been inclusive. What's been inclusive is it's been inclusive because talent cannot be excluded. You cannot get people out who, as a matter of fact, at a point, they were not actually trying to get people in. But when the you know, minority people started becoming better and better, they had to get them in. And that's why that part that cannot be excluded, they cannot touch it. But in the part that they can play the same thing they do in society, they do it. So we should not pretend that sport is innocent. Sport is part of larger society. So I'm not surprised. OK. Um, that I will, let's go with Dada next. Yeah, honestly, I, I agree 100% with Butch's point that sport is a, is a reflection of society. But also, what also makes our sport weird is one thing I've never been able to figure out is how you could have racist organizations, racist people support black players in their team and also be racist towards others, right, in, in the opposing team. So I think there's always been a very weird dynamic. So I, I think just like our racism exists in society, there's different degrees and variations of it. There's different, you know, comfort level, right? You know, you can have someone say, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a KKK, but at the same time, I deny Black Lives Matter. So I think just like in real society, as Butcher said, sport is a reflection of that. And also too, if you also look at look at it too, there's also a tribal. Um, tribal part of sports where, you know, the, the team that you support, you tend to align with their political views. And that's why in Italy, you have certain teams that are known as, they're known as a racist the, the team, fascist, while other teams are known. Yeah, exactly, the fascist. So it's, it, it's, it's in every way, honestly, I think if you, if you want to study racism and, you know, how much progress we're making as a society, you can just look at sports and it's, and it'll tell you everything you need to know. And that's why, you know, England is doing much better than Italy. Germany is doing better than Italy because, you know, outside of sport, they, they've sort of worked their racial issues. Now, I'm not saying, you know, England is free, but England is a lot better than Italy. And, you know, it's, it's always like every two weeks you're hearing news from Italy. But if you do look at Italy and their political party, you know, the rise of populism also came with the rise of racism. So those two things just just really, really go hand in hand. So I think unless the society, unless we fix the structural problem, it, the the racism in sports is always going to be there. So, so that's a good point from Bucci, and I think that's that's we're seeing what society shows us. So okay. What about you, Toby? Um, I think yeah, I think you know, um, racism is in sports. I think sports bodies have tried to address it time and time again. And the struggle they face is, is the same struggle society faces. It's, it's um, how, as an institution, do you just want to be passive and address it when it flares up in your stadium? Like UEFA is trying to say, hey, we have this new policy where the referee, three strike rule, whatever it is, the referee will tell the stadium the stadium announcer would announce, hey, there's racist act going on, and you give the crowd a second time, second chance, and then the referee can, can end the game. <clears throat> or do you want to 
be more proactive and say it's a societal issue till racism don't till racism goes away we can punish clubs and punish players but do we want to also actively educate people and educate society and be a force for good and i think for for the most part sports has tended to protect the money first and you saw it with the nfl uh, with the whole carpenter thing you see it in in soccer you see it you see it in the world cup with, with, with qatar how many people have died building the stadium in, in qatar and they don't care um you see it all the time so it's it's this they protect the money first and um i just think sports you know media whatever whatever aspect of society you're in you're going to need the people who are mostly affected by racism to make it uncomfortable for the normal i guess the comfortable guy who just sits on his couch watching tv you're going to have to make it an issue for him as well so then it becomes uncomfortable and only when it becomes uncomfortable would would we see change so i think i'm i'm hopeful that um the voices we have today i think across most sports well not most sports but i i don't want to make it sound as if but let's just be specific to to america and just call it you know black the the, the suffering african americans are, are going through right now the whole black lives movement movement thing i think you know basketball players are beginning to speak together with one voice whereas in the past you could say there was some criticism um nfl players are beginning to come together to be like okay we need to do something so i think the the, the social consciousness of, of 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 professional athletes is 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 change is improving um that doesn't mean you don't have your you know your Kanye West now and then you know I, i love Kanye but let's just put him aside but i think in general most people who are in positions of power and influence across all sports whether it's formula 1 or basketball or football or soccer are also now trying to use their platforms for good and maybe it's because everyone has a social media platform so in the past footballers didn't necessarily relate to fans till they went to the stadium and they signed a jersey or they showed up at a book launch or whatever it was whereas today every single sportsman is relating to his fans on a daily basis on Instagram on TikTok on Facebook so they're looking at your lifestyle they're looking at what you're doing and you can get criticism for just even staying silent because like what do you mean you're posting about your house in Bahamas when all this stuff is going on so it's becoming uncomfortable for all these guys to just keep quiet and collect their check and even their even their managers and their media managers and their whatever you want to call their social media consulting companies are telling them look there is no middle ground like you have to take a stand because your fans are demanding it and so i think that's a good thing if there's anything good about social media is like now nobody can hide They're like what do you mean you didn't you didn't hear about this it's on tiktok is everywhere um what's your position on it right so now you have to tell us as a professional man who made it through came through the system tell us are you saying because you did it every black kid can do it and there's nothing wrong or are you saying even in your position of power or so called success you still had all these challenges when you were growing up and even now that you're supposedly established you're even still facing challenges so um i i don't know, i think i think sports is always going to be sports but with social media and uh people wanting to relate to players on an intimate level they really want to know am i with this guy for not just the fact that he can score goals but is he with me on this 
issue or is he, you know, you don't need to look any further than yeah, uh, uh, a quarterback. Is, they actually also, to add to that social media thing, is, they actually yeah. now experience it daily. They get that thing where, for example, in, yeah. in football, well, Bobber would come out and get people racially attacking online. Yeah. It's no longer a case of, you know, these people as they're, they're following you from the stadium home. Yeah. That kind of stuff. They're following you to, that kind of stuff. They experience it every day. It, it, they can't run away from it. That kind of yeah, thing. You know what yeah, I'm trying to say? I agree. It's, it's brought it home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, no. So I think we'll, we'll, we'll keep praying and we'll keep fighting, but hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll get some change soon. Yeah. Okay. All right, Ayo. Let us know your thoughts. Uh, yeah. So for me, um, it's all about it trickles. Gonna trick this thing trickles down from the top, right? And football fans, sports sports fans typically don't want to have difficult conversations about this thing. Now, in recent times, people are having it, but this is something that historically has been there. Even with people, or whether the clubs you like or support, or like icons we cited on the past, but the fact that people cannot separate the fact that this sports icon was, you know, did this for you, whether I won this game, was a great manager. And I'm going to give you examples because people like to run away from these things, like it did not happen. And it did happen. And everybody turns the blind eye to it. So, for example, the Suarez thing, right? It doesn't make Liverpool a worse club than any other club. Manchester United have several cases that everybody sweeps under the carpet. For example, the thing with Paul Innes, then I remember with Ferguson, they were, uh, Ferguson and uh, Ian Wright. Ian Wright and uh, Schmeichel, I remember. Peter Schmeichel racially abused Ian Wright. Everybody swept it under the carpet. They swept it under the carpet. And like Cole uh, and Teddy Sheriham played correct. five years without speaking. Correct. You know, everybody's trying to recover like it never happened. Zaha, during his time, now nah, he wasn't racially at this but all of a sudden, he wasn't playing. The, the, that story came out that he slept today when it wasn't even true. Zaha was left to dry by Manchester United. Nobody protected him. He comes out and defends himself. Manchester United admits with like social media contacting him. Why are you putting words as like, dude, you guys are not saying anything. These guys are killing me in the media, on media. It, and the funny thing is, I never made it with Monster. Never, for once. But that was a story a lot of people still believe to today. Mm. You know, so there's several cases like that. Uh, Lewis Hamilton, when he came out, he said he talked about uh, Formula One and all his, you know, his colleagues were like yeah. making comments. Lewis Hamilton. Like, and that's why the guy is kind of really not liked in UK. So there are several cases of all these things, but people just don't want to have these conversations. So in my opinion, I Colin feel like... Kaepernick. Correct, Colin Kaepernick, yes. You know, I didn't want to talk about NFL because uh, Toby had talked about it. So... Holding these people accountable is the first step. I think the second step is, do they want to be held accountable? That's the question. Because we can go through this process and do all of, all of these things. I think what are they going to do when the black man is not there? When they're their private WhatsApp groups and their auntie or their aunt say something racist. Is somebody going to jump in and say, hey, you cannot say that when nobody's watching? In the boardrooms, when they're having private conversations, RVT, are they going to change? Because I feel like black people can do a lot, and like you said, that's got momentum and we are positive, and it can go in the right direction. But it's on people who are the racist. Do they want to make the change? Because if they, they, could, they if they don't want to make the change, there's only so much we can do. 
So holding them accountable is the first step. What are they going to do? What steps are they going to take at the boardroom level to make sure there are more black people in sports at the high level? What steps are going to take at a grassroots level? What, step, what work is going to be done? What work of activism and information is going to be done in between this incident and whatever next incident that comes up? What work is going to be done continuously in between all of this? I think that is where the real work lies. This is good. This is unprecedented. It's great. The real work lies in all those things I've mentioned, like things that constantly have to be done. And when people are not watching, like, do people want to make this change? Because we could do all this so much. Do you really want to make this change? And for me, I saw this uh, article was written, and that is, has been in my head all throughout this week, because it's, it's so, so true. And I think it was James, James Baldwin, the popular activist, you know, civil rights, during civil rights, he made that statement. And the statement, what I took out of it was anyone who chooses to remain in a state of um, innocence, when the time of innocence has gone, is choosing to be a monster. And that's true. Because when all people act like, oh, this has never happened. Oh, I don't have any information. I don't, you know, because I look at sports a lot and I'm like, especially football. Football has shown us that they really, really, really care about an issue. I probably society as a whole, but now we know football, they really, really care about an issue. They will find solutions. Case in point, there's a, there's a pandemic going on in the, in the world and they found ways mm -hmm. to make football come back. They will do trace testing, will do this. They found a way because it affects their pocket. But when it comes to racism, all of a sudden, oh, it's too difficult of a topic. Oh, like if, if they really want to address it, they will. That's my honest opinion about it. So you said they're only doing, you use the analogy of the pandemic, say, hey, this yeah. thing's costing the EPL millions. We saw that Tottenham yeah. had borrowed $170 million, you know, just to keep them afloat. So it's because it's affecting. Their, their 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 pockets that right. they're figuring out a way to make it work yeah. okay so my question is this or i guess for the team for the group is the power that black athletes have together can't they make this problem yeah. hurt even more my mind. their pockets because because that's the only way we know what's gonna what's gonna we, we've seen struggles in the past right you know, Northern Ireland with the IRA, Champagne, all those groups trying to get freedom from England, yada, yada. Yada. I mean, I hate to say it, but those guys were car bombing and stuff and doing all this stuff. And then Protestants, Catholics are like, look, we need to give these guys their freedom. We need a political solution. Let them just go. So the same thing with apartheid in, in South Africa. You know, everyone's pretending like Mandela, every, like these people were oh, even MLK. Chile. Yeah. They were rioting. Yeah, even MLK, MLK everyone's yeah. pretending like MLK was just writing stories like, and dude. writing poems right. up and down. MLK was, yeah, the, no, no, no. MLK was the radical guy. Like, if yeah. I, I read somebody thinking yeah. about it, I go, wait, this guy wasn't peaceful. Yeah. But, he but, wasn't, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, but, it's a myth. Yeah, but Toby, so, if, I can, if I can answer your question, I'm going to yeah. say that, you see, I, 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 something happened in March, yeah. and it was weird because we're talking about, sorry to go back to the NFL, but the NFL and football, uh, they have very two different ways of operating. And one of the reasons why NFL players, NBA players are more political, if you look at it, they actually, yeah, as a group and as individuals, is because they actually, every five to 10 years, they have to sit down and fight this politics of, guess what? 
a collective bargaining agreement. Yeah. They actually, by nature, have to be political. In other sports, in football, they are all individuals. They have to negotiate their rights, whatever, by themselves. Mm -hmm. That's one. So the reason why I'm mentioning that was that Roger Goodell apologized to the NFL players within a day of all of them. All the best players, like basically the best players in everything came out and said, black players said, look, we want the NFL to apologize. And the NFL apologized. And then people were like, wow. I'm like, yeah, this is because these guys suddenly decided maybe they just had, they just had a collective bargaining agreement in March. And maybe that was, you know, they had been thinking of this kind of stuff. And then this happened. And then they'll say, okay, this is what we're going to do. You can't do that actually do that in football because one uh, in football these guys are not together they don't actually have a political um to be able to organize that it's gonna be hard the problem you have is that football is a very international sport american football nba they're very local the national sports where everybody seems to have the same um almost monolithic experience of life. Racism affected me as a Nigerian differently than it affected an English-born black man. It affects a Jamaican quite differently than it affects a, a South African black man. And it also affects a guy of mixed race from my country than it would affect a guy of mixed race from South Africa. You would, you know, so that would then make it so hard for people to come together. You are arguing at one point, one guy is telling you, dude, let's just comply. I want to get this checked. I have only 10 years of a career. I'm not losing one year out of this. This is generational money for me. He's not thinking about it that if all of us come together, we can do this. No, he's going, this is generational money for me, 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 me. It, that's why it's easier for Lewis Hamilton to come out. He's a lone guy. It was easier for Muhammad Ali to come out. He's a lone guy. It's easier for people like Jesse Owens to come out. He's a lone guy. Uh, but look at what happened to Colin Kaepernick when he came out alone. That is why it's hard. Colin no. Kaepernick's experience shows you that if the guys are not behind I, you, you're, you're going to be fish yeah, out of yeah, water. Yeah, I get it. And my question is, is also, why can't, if every single black NFL player, let's, let's come to America and say, every single black NFL player and every single black NBA player says, you know what? Your flag is racist, right? Your flag was built on on, on not the idea that they're all men are created equal, right? And if you want to make conflict this with the flag, that's on you, but I'm not doing this for the flag. Every single national anthem, we're all kneeling down for the rest of the season. What, like, what, what, what's the NBA Nothing. going to do? What's Nothing. the NFL going to do? Just... Exactly, that's my point. But right now, but if it's one guy, Kaepernick, you're right, Kaepernick got hosed because he did challenge up, you know, he challenged the powers and we had an idiot in the office who decided he was going to make an example of Kaepernick and Trump was like, oh no, you, he called him an SOB, you know, yeah, da, da, da. they called him a thug. He was like, I am going to show you that I have power. And they, they, they took the guy out, out of the game, right? And the NFL ownership in the NFL is, is this high privileged thing for not just any white man or and not just any rich white man. Trump could not buy an NFL team, even when he had the money. They're like, sorry, you're, you're not of the right, you know, you're not classy enough for our, for our, for, our, for our group, yeah, for our club. So they pushed Trump up, you know? Everyone knows that story. And he tried to do XFL or whatever it was, and then that didn't work anyway. But, 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 but the point I'm making is today, after post-George Floyd, can't all the black players 
even if their white colleagues don't join them, say, oh, you, we are taking a knee every game, everything, until we see this thing begin to get better, until you pass a law um, addressing police brutality, until you do setting actionable steps, and we hold them accountable. And I think they can. I know in, I agree with you, Butch, I agree that in, the, in, in England, it's going to be very, very different because if each person's contract and the time it expires, I... is, is, there's not that collective action. But at least here in America, I expect, though, I'm hopeful so be, that it, it continues. It has already gone. There's, there's something that we did not mention at the beginning of the show, which is that the video of George Floyd wasn't galling or traumatic to black people, per se. Because this wasn't new. What it was was a, was a heartbreaking video. It was a video that, for most of us, we actually our hearts cry. But what it actually was m more traumatic was for white people. This was the first time. See, Ahmaud Arbery, that sh killing happened off um, video per se. Like you didn't really see his injuries. It wasn't graphic. Um, Brianna Taylor happened off shot. Uh, Trevor Martin happened off short. Our experiences of racism have been happening off camera. People do not see it. This was basically, and that's one thing we all have to agree is that when the police kill somebody, it's actually the state killing somebody. It's state-sponsored violence. And so this was when they couldn't say, no, 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 it's not state-sponsored violence anymore. They had to go, oh my God, because they now realize their guilt. They were complicit if they did not stop it. That's one. And two, it actually brings me to that other thing about how do we solve this thing with, I'm not trying to be, because people are going to say I'm being apologies, but I'm not. I'm actually being honest to say we did not win civil rights, per se, until other people got involved. Slavery lasted so long because the American South kept the horrors of slavery away from mainland Europe and a lot of North of America. And what I'm trying to say was that it was when the Europeans actually realized how bad it was. When people like James Baldwin went to Europe, okay, no, James Baldwin came later, that was in the civil rights path. When people started going to Europe and telling Europeans that the British banned slavery first and then started fighting you know, against slavery in the seas, that's when things started changing. We do not have enough power on our own. Until we get it, we can't effect change. But what this video did was it made people in power go, oh my God, you know, like, like people saying, coming out and saying, oh, I had to go and have conversations with my kid, and my kids are saying this. That's the other part of this thing with this young generation. They don't shut up because of social media. They don't learn to shut up. Social media makes them so expressive. So they go and, you know, challenge people that they know, challenge their friends. So what I'm trying to say is that all of a sudden, white allies, are now listening to people of color. They're listening to women. They're listening to minorities a little bit more. FIFA now is now telling us, oh, don't punish political protests. FIFA, FIFA, the king of keep pro protests and politics out of football. Basically uh, said, don't punish them. That's you know what I'm trying to say? Because they're like, yeah, that was, oh my God. This <laughs> is actually, so what is happening is that these guys are gonna continue doing this, but all of a sudden now, white people are now going to start asking because fans that part of it where you go what well, we're having this discussion about was Colin company uh, protesting for this 
Oh, is there football in, in, in Italy? Oh, it's just some harmless fans. Oh, Bonucci coming out and telling Moses Keane, it's your fault. You riled the fans for them to insult you racially. What did you say that? Yeah, too much. All of that is gone out of the window. You you can't come out and talk about that now. Now it's going to be, oh, like, for example, I'm just going to use the name. I can, I can. Russia fans (laughs) insult somebody in the stadium and go, hey, but you know what's going to happen is all all Italian fans are going to go, hey, we are no Brescia. Brescia fans are going to weed out that guy and say, this is the guy. Because everybody's done kind of like, it's not come out public. The, the, the demons are coming home to roost. That's just how I put it. So are you saying that, Bucci? Because um, I heard Toby say that he thinks that if all the black players in the NFL, and I do think it makes sense to focus on America just because there's a much larger black population here. Mm-hmm. And pretty much the spotlight is on us at this moment. Mm-hmm. So um, Toby's suggestion is that you know, black players need to whether unite. The white players and I guess what or I'm saying. Yeah, whether they don't yeah. or not. Yeah. No, what, right. what I'm saying is that that conversation of four or five years ago when some people were going, it's about the flag. It's like, come on, this week, Drew Brees tried to shut it down. He was like, I won't let anybody kneel down during uh, this national anthem. A day later, he was apologizing. That's not what he said. That, that, no, he wasn't. Technically, what he was trying to say, I never let him disrespect like, the he, he, His point was, was that he yeah. felt that. I mean, yeah. essentially, he said what you're trying to say, but he said that he he personally would not we'll stand never, for people doing yeah. it. Yeah, not but, that he yeah. no, wanted what, to do What it. I'm trying to say is this, right? Five years ago, the idea that a team would kneel during the national anthem was abhorrent. It was so abhorrent to the that was one of the reasons why these teams ostracized Kaepernick was that the argument was that people were going, if you let them near, we will stop watching the game. Now, if people say, well, if, if, you, if you let them near, we'll stop watching the game, the rest of America will be like, okay, you stop, we'll tune in. There is a, the reaction to any team or any manager or any player that comes out to say you can't kneel. I, I don't agree with you, Butchie, because what happened? What did Trump say after Bruce, Drew Brees apologized? He said he Trump. shouldn't have said that. No, 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 no. But Trump, oh, oh, you think Roger Goodell did his, uh, his video podcast out of the goodness of his heart? No, no, no. He was put in the corner. Mm-hmm. I think you, you can't forget Trump because Trump was one who made it about the flag, right? It's a political situation I made. Tim Tebow has been kneeling down during national anthem ages, since he yeah. was in, yeah, for ages. It's, it's, America always finds a way to figure out, you know, like um, um, Trevor, Trevor Noah has a lot of videos talking about how can we protest, you know, we can't do it peacefully, we can't do it, we can't take any, so, so, they know what they, it doesn't matter Drew, what they did. Yeah. Bruce knew what he was saying when he said that. Yeah, like, yeah. It, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. They were trying to tell so, them you can't know them. Yeah, saying, yeah. So, so, I, sorry guys, I, I just feel like right now, and Toby is right, Right now, there's no longer sitting on the fence. If you're quiet, we know where you stand. If you're saying, oh, you don't support Nini, we know where you stand. So back in the days, I think, you know, there was a lot of wiggle room to where people can play the, well, it's kind of like, you know, our coaches do in the uh, EPL. Oh, I didn't see the video. You know, I I didn't see the incident. Right now, you can't do that anymore. So if you're not saying something, you know what you're saying. Yeah, like so, I said, the state of innocence, the time of staying in the state of innocence is gone. It's gone. That time is gone. If you choose to remain yeah. in the state of innocence right now, you are a monster. It's as simple as that. Let's not call it. 
that's what you are, you know? It's true, it is true, that's what you are. Instead of innocence, time is gone. If the doing police, all of that. Or people if, who, if the police force that was being protested against is kneeling. Yeah. I've seen people go up and kneeling. <laughs> or people who are like, always saying, <laughs> like picking back on what you're saying, uh, Dada, like people who are always saying, oh, there's, oh, there's a better way to do activism. People like that, they are, they are internal bystanders, you know? Because when you think about it, when you, when you talk to them, okay, tell, tell, tell us a better way. Okay, people should not protest. People should not kneel. Please tell us a better way. No good ideas ever come from people like that. Zero. Every time. I see them on social media, whether they're black, whether they're white, whether they're non-black, that, oh, there's, there's always a better way to do activism. Okay, please, can you so, tell us, share those ideas with us? Never. So there's, no, no good ideas come out from people like that. There's so, yeah, there's something Tom Herman said, who's the coach of UT football. And um, I, I went to UT, so I'm a long con, so I'm always going to talk about UT. But anyway, he's a white coach and he's very progressive. But he said, um, he goes, and I'm just going to read his quote. He goes, we're going to pack 100,000 people into the stadium and millions watching TV that are predominantly white. Not all of them, certainly, but most of them white. He goes, we're going to cheer when they score touchdowns and we're going to hug our buddy when they get sacked or interceptions. But are we going to let them date our daughter? Are we going to hire them in a position of power in a company? That's the question I have for America. You can't have it both ways. And to me, the reason why I find that statement powerful is because he's saying the place America is comfortable with your blackness is on the field, Correct. with your talent. It's on the stage. It's entertainment. They've said, look, we're comfortable with you guys achieving excellence in entertainment. Yes, I would be a, could be a racist. My grandfather could be a racist. But that star quarterback in my high school, if he was black, I was going to support him. And because they're comfortable, that is, that is the, the area they have made for you to excel. But once you begin to come, and you know, Dada and I talk about this all the time, once at work, in any professional situation, you know, it's almost the way they're fine with black people excelling, but up to a point, once you begin to have some authority or have some dominance, they're like, oh, oh, no, 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 you, you don't know your place here. So to me, I think the acts of defiance, of kneeling, and all these, that's what you're doing is you're making them uncomfortable. You're saying, yes, we're going to play, we don't have touchdowns, we don't have, but still, we're going to remind you once again that we're, we're, we're still here, we're still human beings, and we still don't agree. There's still issues that tell us that if you want to call us, if you want to say we're not, we're not patriotic, that's fine, okay, yes. But, um, I mean, you know, let's take that, let's take on that thing and say, okay, yes, we're not patriotic because this country has a lot of grievances it has never accounted for with, with, with Native Americans, with, with Black people, with, with, with you know, with, with the Irish, you know, it, it goes, it goes way back. So yes, what's patriotic? We can't just say we're just going to ignore all the sins of the past and the sins today. So yes, we'll, we'll, we'll do our job, we'll go out, we'll, you know, throw the touchdown, we'll do the dunks, we'll do the passes, we'll score the goals, you know, but why are you enjoying our you watch us on our knees. You watch because we'll still continue to protest. Yeah, I have. I have I this example with Laura Ingram, which, like, you know, her, the contrast between her um, comment, oh, LeBron said his stuff, and then the contrast between what she said after Drew Brees mm -hmm, said his. Mm -hmm. That was a perfect example of how. Oh, my goodness. I have this theory that there's something we have to look at, and which is, I don't know, I was thinking about, there's this 
today is uh, this is 2020. So 1950 was 70 years ago. And in the past 100 years, 1920, the end of the First World War till date, what has actually happened is that we have moved from a world that was, let me say my grandfather at that time would have been under British rule. He wasn't free in his own country. In America, American women couldn't vote. Um, in a lot of parts of the world, women couldn't vote. Women didn't have jobs. Um, a lot of, half of the world was under the yoke of uh, colonial rule. In that time, a lot of social changes have happened. But what I've always noticed is that there's always been a kind of blowback against these things. And that's what actually one thing I started thinking about was when, after 19, the 1920s, when um, civil rights battle became, uh, began, and if you remember, the civil war had not ended. It wasn't actually 50 years or thereabouts past the civil war or thereabouts. So it wasn't too long after, because the civil war was, uh, oh, sorry, 150 years, I meant to say. So um, what actually happened was that, guess what? The Kukos kind was a reaction to that. When women actually got the right to vote, when they were supposed to continue giving women rights up to the you know, the whole uh, women's rights that whatever uh, they haven't ratified up to today, you know what happened? Women, other women, conservative women, rose and fought against it and blocked mm. it. Obama became president. The reaction was strong. There is also going to be political pushback against this that will come one way or the other. I don't know how it's going to come, but it will come. Oh, it yeah. happened. It, it, it will happen, and uh, that is what I'm actually also waiting for. We have gotten to a point where people have to be ready and people have to be strategic with this. And that's why that thing of organizing, for the first time, I will say I'm proud of these NFL players because they left Colin Kaepernick to roost. They left him and the other two or three guys to roost, but not, they're, now they're coming together. But I also want to say something that is very important here, which is... Um, the social media guys, um, young people, we need to do better. It's no longer about looking up to stars to fight. It's no longer about, um, you know, it's no longer about just looking up to people in power. We also have to hold ourselves accountable. And what I mean hold ourselves accountable is, look, if there's a football club whose owners are not listening to you talk, vote with your pockets, vote with your feet get politically involved people need to vote donald trump is president because almost half of the population that could vote sat down at home he's not president because he was popular he was president because people uh, whatever i don't care we should start caring about elections we have to vote everywhere where people have the right to vote because there are people that wish they could vote and do it, but they cannot mm. we have to keep these stars honest if there's somebody who's telling you about a battle today and then tomorrow he goes, oh, whatever, no. You said this. The same way we pull politicians' words out from five, six years ago and say, remember when you said you are going to do this, but you're doing this now. The guys that are talking now, let's not forget their words. Let's hold them accountable. The guy, the guy that resigned from one company and said he wants his face to be given to somebody of minority, a black man or a woman, they better hold that. You know, what I'm trying to say is do not let this promises be hollow. Yeah. These promises can easily, they could actually be playing on our emotions right now and mm -hmm. do whatever they want to do. We yeah. have to keep up this battle because uh, these are very hollow promises so I see action. That's what I believe. Okay. I think we've come up on like 
30 minute, um, probably 30 plus minute mark. Um, does anyone have anything else to add? Any other? I thought it was longer actually. Final thoughts? I, my own final thoughts, and I'll say my own very quickly. It's just a shout out. Shout out to some people on social media, um, artists who I think have put their career on the line. John Boyega has put his career on the line. You know, it's a young artist. He just did Star Wars. He hasn't even got done anything in his life. New career, and this guy has put the career on his line. Everything, how outspoken he has been. You know, people can say, oh, yeah, he's trying to, but he has been outspoken in a very, in a, in a way that's not trendy. He didn't, he just well, hit the nail on the head. He didn't try to like appeal to both parties. He just hit the nail on the head. He showed his anger, you know, publicly. So yeah, for me, he even shout out to him for doing that. That's, that's it. That's a big deal. And also some social media um, writers I follow. I follow a guy called Musa Konga. Like he, he is a very learned writer I follow. I knew him from soccer, but he goes deep into the details. And I've learned a lot from Musa Konga in this period of just following his activism that he does. Those are my final thoughts. Okay, Dada, Toby, anything else? Uh, I think, speak. Yeah, I think I think you guys. I mean, I think you guys covered it all. And I'm kind of I'm look, looking forward to see what happens when season start to see uh, what EPL is gonna what they're gonna do. Uh, I mean, shout out to Chelsea, Liverpool, United. I think even West Brom, all the clubs. You know, Dortmund. they said some, Yeah, and. It, and you know, I had a, there was a there was an argument I think I was having with Ayo and someone else on a forum that oh you know all these clubs they just they just playing eye service they don't mean it it's just a trend. But guess what though? Five years ago, none of those clubs will say that they will face an economic backlash. Brand, so essentially, anything last what, five years ago, you say that kind of stuff, you're gonna yeah. lose half your lose half five, five years ago, Suarez T-shirt happened. Yeah, or there about so that seven years ago. Essentially, what, what the society is telling me, because I, I believe the society moves in a way that incentivizes money, incentivizes growth. So essentially, the signal that I'm seeing now is if you stand up against racism, we may not reward you, but you will not get punished. And I think I can even go further and say there's actually an economic incentive to speaking against racism. And if you go with the assumption that corporations exist to make money, like they would never do something without making money. I mean, you have oil companies who are known to be conservative going on LinkedIn, putting the hashtag Black Lives Matter. This was the same hashtag that two years ago, even me as a black man can't even say in public. It tells you like we're now starting to normalize anti-racism, which is a good step. Maybe in the next two years, shit, everybody's just going to be straight up anti-racist. Now you could be racist on the, the dinner table at your cookout. But essentially what we're telling you is, hey, in public, you need to act right. And if you have to think about this, if people can act, act right on social media and in public, slowly but surely, that behavior is going to creep in to where, you know, people can now be anti-racist in real life. So I think, you know, a part of me is kind of, a part of me is really happy to see this, especially seeing all these clubs, seeing all these companies saying this. So we're making some progress, so. I agree with all of you. I think um, what we're seeing now, and I think sports can be the, the reason why we like these sports stars is because they are heroes, so to speak. So if they stand on the front line and put their words, you know, put some action behind their own words, then people listen. That's why people look up to them. And that's why they have to speak. So the rest of us, like what she said, we have to, you know, we have to do our part. We have to vote. We have to continue to 
I, I mean, I hate to say we have to educate, but the fact is there are people out there that don't, I said earlier, that don't buy into the, the whole idea that you can be racist without thinking you're racist. So um, once that, those mindsets have to change, and if they don't, then some of those things that we're seeing, like when, you, like when you see these police officers brutalizing people or causing harm to others, and they don't think that it's because of the color of the person's skin, they don't see that there's a difference between the way they treat one person versus the other, then um, it's hard to fix that. Like you can put all your policies and laws in place, but they're the ones carrying out those laws. And if they can't do it right, then we're screwed to begin with. So that's why I always say that that mindset has to change. And the more people call attention to it, the more it will happen. Okay, uh, so thank you all for joining us. Uh, at the end of the show, you see um, a list again of all our social media platforms. So please follow us, subscribe, and continue to catch our content. Thank you all very much. Have a good one. Good